Hey everybody, this is Quint Charisma. Hey, that's me. And this is the new podcast. We don't have a name for it now, but uh, we're going to be doing some reviews. Uh, we got Jeremiah Plunkett helping me out. What's going on, Jeremiah? I'm doing good, man. I am uh, glad to be part of this. Uh, social media was a, a wreck today, so this is a welcome distraction from that. Okay, I have no idea what you're talking about, but all right. <laughs> you want to go into uh, a little detail on that? <laughs> kind of. Oh, it's just everybody commenting on the impeachment. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't do politics. It's just it's you know. <laughs> I don't either, so I'd much rather watch Memphis wrestling. Exactly. Okay, so we're gonna do. We're gonna start out. Uh, when I threw this idea out, uh, I was gonna, wanting to do. You can just do it like an old school uh, TV show review. Uh, it's gonna like I was thinking about doing one each week, a different one, but um, then I had the idea of of Memphis, uh, but doing the last big year, the last big gates of Memphis was uh, 1987. So I was thinking, well, let's just go and do that instead of switching back and forth each week with a different. Uh, uh, you know, TV show, because I figured that might be hard to follow, because you'd be skipping here and there on places, and it's kind of hard to do a TV if you're right in the middle of stuff, and you don't know what's happened, so I figured this would probably be better to do it this way, so, and I'm, and uh, I'm sure you really, you really enjoyed this idea, doing the Memphis, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of Memphis wrestling. Um, I will say, going going ahead, um, going through this, some of this stuff does not age well. We mean that. We mean. uh, I'm sure we'll touch on it when we get it. The '80s were a different time. Oh yeah, yes, yes. Well, about every, (laughs) it seems like every decade's different. Even wrestling, even you know, everything changes. So. You know, it, like some people not not like it. You know, some of the stuff I don't really care for. You know, and in uh, in through the you know eighties of, of even in Memphis, but you know that's here or there. But um, I figured what I do is I, I jotted down a few notes just to lead up to um, going into eighty seven. Uh, we're actually going to review the um, CWA. December 27, 1986 show, because um, that basically it plants the seeds for the famous Lawler uh, Rich Idol feud, which that was, was the last heyday of Memphis, um, you know, long periods of drawing good money. So, uh, so I saw, like I said, so we're actually going to be doing that last show of 86. Um, just, you can jump in when you want to during this if you got anything to add. But I went back and I start, went back to uh, uh, the last show in November of 86. Just to kind of give a little rundown of what's going on. Um, the um, In 86, uh, it basically it was uh, Lawler's your top baby face. He had Dundee. Uh, of course, that was the, the 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 historic Dundee and Buddy Lindell had the Bill and Buddy show. They had that going on. Uh, Mantell. Uh, then they all eventually turned heel on uh, turned Bayface on Bill. Uh, by the end of '86, uh, they were uh, Dundee, Mantell, and Lindell was gone, uh, along with um, uh, the Mod Squad with J.D. Costello. They were. Uh, Tag Team Champions for a long time in 86, and also 
Dirty Roads, Donbass, they were after, they were gone. So basically, everybody was it was uh, your top heels uh, through the promotion '86. By the last month of '86, they were completely gone. Um, so they basically were starting out with scratch. Um, they really didn't have no big heels. Uh, Lawler did a uh, he worked a, a short program with Big Bubba, uh, and then they brought Kabuki in. They worked a, uh, Lawler and Kabuki worked a few things. Um, then pretty much everybody else was um, well the sheep herders. Uh, Jonathan Boyd, and Bigfoot was in for a little bit. They feud with Travis and Jarrett. Um, then, Did you say Bigfoot? Yeah, Bigfoot. He came in after um, Rip Morgan. He looked a lot like Rip Morgan. Okay. Listen, I know this is Memphis Wrestling. They, they've had Freddie, Jason, Frankenstein. So I just pictured a guy in a big, hairy outfit looking like Harry in the Henderson's wrestling wall. <laughs> you would think so. With uh, you know, with Lawler having the um, you know, the big um, uh, comic book slash horror you know type characters and stuff, but he actually wasn't. He looked like Rip Morgan. He did have some black, like um, it looked like he took black paint, kind of put it around under his eyes and on his eyelids. So I guess to make it people, I guess if you're sitting in the midst, I call Sim sitting up high. It, I guess they might did that too. Uh, let people know there's a, there wasn't Rip Morgan, you know. Uh, so it kind of, they, you know, they they from a distance they looked a lot alike. Um, I don't know if that's why they did that or not, but um, yeah. When you think of Bigfoot, yeah, you think Memphis. That's what it was going to be, but it actually wasn't. He just wore um, he wore trunks and boots, and that was it. So uh, they were like I said they feel with Jack, Jared and Travis, and then Bigfoot lost lose leave town, and then they split uh, Jared off with Boyd. That was Jarrett's first big um, singles angle he did with uh, Boyd. They worked a few weeks and brought, they brought the RPMs, Mike Davis, Tommy Lane in. They were baby faces and they turned them heel. Uh, they were leading up a big um, angle to do with the Fabs. They're going to bring the Fabs in. That never happened. Uh, so they ended up the last week they put them with uh, Jarrett and Travis. Um, trying to think. Tony Falk uh, was there in '86. He toward then uh, the '86 he became Boy Tony. Um, he actually uh, was getting wins. He was a mid card guy that took, they put it with Downtown Bruno. Uh, Tracy Smothers was uh, was uh, came back in '86, and at this time he was still getting a mid card push. Uh, let's see who else. It, uh, Hillbilly Elmer, which is play uh, Plowboy Frazier. Um, they brought him in only from, like I said, I, this was the last uh, episode in November. He came in and just did interviews and had a belt, said he was the super, the world super heavyweight champion. And then the rest of the uh, 86 oh, that I skimmed through, he was never seen again. So I don't know. Um, Memphis Vice was, you know, they were on there. They were regular TV guys. Um, you know, they were mid card heels. And then they turned them babyface toward the end. Um, that's about really all that. Oh, Paul Diamond and Pat Tanaka were um, uh, mid card babyfaces. And then your top really heel manager was Downtown Bruno, which he managed Big Bubba Goliath and Boy Tony. Then Tojo was the other heel manager, and he uh, managed 
um, Tarzan, Goto, and Akio Sato, and then when they brought Kabuki in. And the uh, Tarzan, Goto, uh, Sato, and Goto, they were the international tag champs, which they hardly ever showed them with the belts. Um, and that's about it. Um, it seemed like they. So basically, we're in a we're in a rebuilding year for Memphis. Like they've lost so much of their yes, exactly. So much of their normal big big talent <laughs> that we're in a rebuilding year. For yeah, them. basically the last three months it seemed like they were rebuilding. Um, you know, they I'm sure they they had the because uh, see, uh, um, Rich was coming in off and on because during the uh, end of the summer. They brought Rich in, and Rich and Lawler beat Fire and Flame and Torch. They took the the hoods off from them, and uh, they had a little program. They worked for a few weeks. Uh, Lawler, Lawler and Rich against um, um, Dirty Roads and Don Bass. And uh, if anybody wants to go back and look, I want to say it was in like August. I want to say August or September of '86. They do a, a Angle where they jump, where um, Don Bass, Dirty Roads, and Larry Wright jump Tommy Rich, and he gets color, and it looks like somebody took a bucket of paint and just poured from his top of his head to his boots. It's probably the most color I ever seen on anybody there at the studio. It was crazy. Um, so that then I, everybody just left. I mean, it was they. Yeah. So the last two to three months, they were basically. They didn't really have nothing, so I'm assuming they probably had the idea of of doing the rich gimmick, bringing him in, you know. So I think that was, I think they just were saving that to the end of the year, because um, usually De- December is usually down in the Tennessee territory, except for Christmas night. You know, it's your big night, but usually uh, December has always been a slow month for the Tennessee territory. So I'm thinking they might have had that on the back burner. And we'll just wait until the first of the year, probably. But um, also, I want to add the shows that we're going to be reviewing are going to be from the Evansville, Indiana feed. Uh, uh, it's really hard to find the 90 minute Memphis um, shows, but uh, the one I found is a guy, he pretty much has every episode. Um, and But they're all from the Evansville feed, so it'll just be the hour. So it's basically the same show that. Evansville, Nashville, and Louisville got so just add that in there. But um, all right, so um, you got anything to add to that before we get started on this first up, the first, uh, this first show we're going to review? Uh, no, I mean you, you got all the all the all the history. I'm kind of going into them blind, um, which is good <laughs> because I get to. Well, no, it, it's good because I get to experience of my first thoughts of Memphis wrestling were about when I discovered it probably 96. So this is all going to be fresh and new to me besides stuff I've caught here and there. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you're going to get my first time viewing thoughts on a lot of these. Yeah, that's, I had some pretty detailed notes on a lot of it. That's good. That's good. All right. Well, we're going to start out. Like I said, this is the uh, CWA TV show, December 27th, uh, 1986. So, Actually, if you're in Memphis, that would have aired on December 20th. But like I said, this is the Evansville feed, so it's the last show for all the other towns. It's the last show they'll get of, of 86. So um, The show opens, as you know, uh, Dave and Lance is there uh, this week. They, um, well, let, let, let's not get ahead. Okay. There's that classic Memphis wrestling open. 
<laughs> with the with the statue that I'm gonna I'm determined to find. I'm determined to find a copy of it, I, and I want it in my house. The statue spinning on the pedestal, and then it's got the the disco remix to 2001: The Space Odyssey playing in the background. I love that intro. And that show's different. I, I, that, that intro's classic to me. That's the one where then they show like different clips of, of stuff in the background while they're playing the music. And, uh, right, yeah. yeah. And, and then we cut to, to Dave and Lance with that great backdrop with that painted guy holding up a belt with the universe behind him. Another thing I want in my office at home. <laughs> That's a pretty big set, dude. <laughs> that backdrop, that backdrop they had. Just, just a painting. I don't, I don't care about the other. Oh, okay, stuff. I thought I you wanted. The, painting, I you thought know. you wanted the real, the big full size model. <laughs> Um, speaking of that statue, uh, Bo James has one, so I think he got his from the Gulf Coast Reunion, so he might know actually where they got it for when he they gave it to him one year. Um, I may have to contact old Bo, see if yeah. I can find one of those. I'm, I'm, I'm sure my girlfriend will love that around the house. <laughs> but I do know he does. He he got one, I want to say uh, 2013, maybe they gave it to him at the Gulf Coast Reunion. I want to say thirteen, and uh, so he might know where they um, where they got it from. Uh, you know, the whoever uh, wherever they wherever they got it, he might know you know the actual place where the people who bought it, bought it for him. Okay, so oh, yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just always okay. love that intro. Oh, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. See, I thought about it, I was like the intro. I was like, well, sure. Well, I was like, if they don't know it, they need to go listen to it because you can't really explain it <laughs> if you've never really listened. Don't know what we're talking about, so if you just go and watch it, and you can you can see the intro. And they basically use the same um, after I want to say eighty five, maybe eighty four, where they cut it. They, it goes into the, the 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 one they use forever, and then it cuts into the new part. They use that for a long time. They just uh, traded out some of the little clips and stuff through the years. And I think when they went to USW, I think that's when they finally. Uh, redid the whole um the whole intro so but uh lance and dave are both there that day they uh they give a little match rundown and um and was, lance is the best host in wrestling in my because he wasn't he wasn't a commentator he wasn't an announcer he was a host he made you feel part of it he welcomed you in uh, with his homespun terminology and stuff like yowza and all these other words you haven't heard in the past 35 years it's like adding the, um, i love lance russell yeah he was uh, lance he was he was different he, was, he had his own his own thing he he wasn't i don't think there's ever he, had his he, own, he was a character in himself yeah. he respected lance russell yeah 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 i mean but his style he had his style was unique it's different from anybody else's and uh, he always started out with that, and he never said hello. He said yellow. And uh, yes, my, absolutely. And and, and and Dave Brown, you can tell he was a news guy too. He had that news guy voice. His hair never moved. Yeah. yeah. You know, of course, he is a weatherman for a hundred years in Memphis. Yeah, but you could. Um, but yeah, that yellow. It's funny because um, only uh, my dad he says that, and. Um, uh, it's kind of funny because you'll see, you know, older people every now and then you'll catch them and you'll, they'll say yellow. 
So uh, yeah, but, but Lance talked like everybody else. So he, yeah. you know, he wasn't. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I am Lance Russell. He wasn't that. Yeah. He was very homespun. He he made you feel welcome. You felt like that's why the the few times Lance ever got his hands put on him, that was the most heat anybody could get. Yeah, yeah, big time. Lance was part of your family. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he. he I almost, I almost uh, say dumbed it down, but he made it. Um, he didn't because like like if you if you take Lance, you take Gordon Soley. A lot of people say Gordon's best. Some like some people say Lance, but their styles too totally different. Because like Gordon, he would sometimes some people would get lost on Gordon's uh, when he would call the moves. He would get really technical on the on the moves and stuff. You listen to Lance, you, he he might say body slam, might say hip toss. Everything else was Lance. He would say he throw. You know, he would. He had his own way of of calling stuff. You know, and uh, so. Uh, but yeah, he, he he made it where everybody could understand, and it, I think it made people even more. You know, like him more. I think. You know, for for and you gotta think of the the the, the area of, of you know of where they're broadcasting at too. So um, yeah, absolutely. So I think that's always helped. But anyway, so we're going to the first match. Um, first match is Jerry Lawler versus the Golden Terror. It's your typical um, TV, uh, you know, job match. Um, I think what it goes. Yeah, let me hear your. Let, I'll let you take the first on this one. Golden Terror looks like he stole Bruce Lee's outfit from Game of Death and somebody's assassin mask from out of their bag. Yeah. Have you ever seen Game of Death with Bruce Lee? I've seen, yeah, I know you're talking about it. He's wearing like, the full outfit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's like just a generic assassin mask. And it's like, here we go, Golden Terror. Yeah, it was, uh, in that 80s, man, it seemed like that's when your mask guys pretty much... A lot of people did away with your mask guys because they they all started making their their job guys or hands or whatever you want to call them now mask men. So it really took away from your a lot of people. What you know, your mask men went from you know main event guys to now seem like most of your enhancement job guys become mask men. You know, especially in the mid eighties. So, especially oh, Memphis. And you, Go ahead. You said Memphis was rebuilding. I, I'm assuming some of these are probably guys working multiple times. If they're if the territory's light at the time, mm. assuming it could be guys working multiple times or guys from outlaw shows who are just trying to get a spot. That's an assumption. I have no idea. I was uh, I two don't months know. old. So yeah, I don't know on that because. It seemed like they mostly had the same guys the, that did the jobs on there, that put the guys over. Some they mostly, it seemed like they usually had the same ones. And, and you know, so I don't know. This is the first time I've seen this guy, but I haven't seen it. You know, it's been so long ago since I've watched, you know, the uh, from the 80s. <laughs> so the thing I got from it was the Golden Terror. He took good bumps. So that, what yeah. you're saying on that, that might be, um, you know, somebody coming there and trying to get, you know, get on with them because, you know, and, and they just maybe, you know, an indie guy 
coming in, maybe work for, you know, because there were several around that area, you know, Mississippi, North Mississippi, East, East, uh, Eastern Arkansas, you know what I'm saying? So it might have been somebody like that, that and they just want to see, you know, because they didn't know who he was from Adam. So, because I noticed how I said he takes probably the better bumps of the, uh, any of the job guys. I noticed that. And I loved yeah, it. Okay, what about the Lawler Big Boot and Suplex, by the way? Yeah, I, I, that was the Suplex. Yeah, I, I was going to say, Lawler, uh, it was a short match, but he did a big, shot him in game, the Big Boot, and then he gave him a, a Suplex, which you rarely see. And even back then, um, but I think what I took away most of this match was you talking about the guy's outfit. I loved it. it was the old It was old school K and H full body man. I love that stuff. You know? Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I, I thought it was cool. I just thought it was funny that it looked Julie it looked, Yeah, outfit. yeah, exactly. And everything. <laughs> yeah, I know that. Yeah, I see that part now. But when I looked, I was like, I was like, man, I love his outfit. But yeah, he bumped really good. So that what stuck out to me was I was you know that, and I think you might be right you know right on that with them, because their their um, roster was really low, because they were pulling guys up from the mid card up to the main, you know upper upper card main events and stuff. So you know the lower cards open to matches they were needing people. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's what was the case on that one. Um, after that, they showed clips of the. Rich, Tommy Rich versus Big Bubba from um, Mid-South Coliseum. And, Big Bubba was Ottman, correct? Yeah, that's, yeah, Tugboat, Earthquake. Not an Earthquake, Typhoon. Not, sorry. not Earthquake. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, but you know, man, Typhoon. Shockmaster, yeah, some guy, Fred Ottman, yeah. Okay, that's what, that's what I thought, but I wanted, I wanted to be sure. Yeah, he came in in 86. He came from uh, Texas All-Star Wrestling. He came from down there and came up. I don't, the... Uh, well, I, I tell you what I got most from that little clip. It was only like a minute clip, but it, it was basically that was the first planting of the seed of the Lawler Rich thing. Um, what I got caught my eye the very f uh, first. If you, did you notice all the empty seats in the lower level? Uh, yeah, I, I noticed Ooh. that. I wasn't sure if that was from the Coliseum or not, but I did notice that there was the. It was not full. Yeah, that one camera angle they show from the floor and the floor riser, that floor riser, man, was completely empty on that one side. I was like, wow. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they said that was the setup where, um, was it uh, Rich hits the Thez press on Bubba, referee's down, Bruno comes in, hits him with Rich with the gimmick, then Lawler comes in and hits Bubba, and the ref sees it. And they DQ. That, that was the start. That was the first plant on that. Now, one. did Lawler hit Bubba? Because I have it in my notes that I didn't even see Lawler make contact. I may have missed it, but I was wondering, like, why is there a DQ? Just because he caught him in the ring? No, he hit him. Okay, I missed that. I do have this as a big note. Frank Morrell has the slowest count ever. Yeah. Well, he was selling for the bump. No, beforehand. Oh. <laughs> Well, yeah, he's always been slow, but yeah, he's always he's always at a slow count. I mean, at least he went down. He didn't Bronco Lubitsch it, but oh my gosh. Um, so that was short and sweet. That was did good. I thought that was well. And then, um, they showed the clip right after that. Then, because Lance was building it up, he said, you know, this is some things that happened. Then they showed the clip of the Lawler versus Kabuki, uh, um, Memphis Mid South Coliseum. 
Or, and I'm assuming that was a lumberjack match. No, all these no, that's what was messed up. I thought it wasn't a lumberjack match. That's what I thought at first too. Actually, because I've watched this, I watched the episode twice. Um, in case I missed something, no, it it wasn't. It was um, be, it was something because from what when I rewatched it, I realized it's Lance said it talked about how. Uh, Jarrett, Travis, Tracy Smothers, and Rich was down there to keep Tojo's, uh, the rest of his uh, group running in. Because I, I guess supposedly they've been doing a lot of run-ins. So they were already down down there to block them off. But my thing is, though, it Rich was up on that apron forever. Yeah, and, and, and looking over his shoulder a lot, like, yeah. I, I thought the exit pulled off a little better. I did like that the entire time, though, Tommy Rich was, was yelling at the referee, hey, come back, come yeah. back, to try to... Yeah, that was good, that part. But it was, I don't know, the timing was just, oh, man. I don't know. The, yeah, the ref was on the floor with the, they were all down there fighting and um, with the baby faces and the heels. But yeah, I noticed, I was like, that's taking forever. And, and yeah, it just... Um, it, it, I thought it looked bad, and I mean, Rich, yeah. Rich couldn't help it because if he jumped down and then they come back, I mean, it was just I don't know what was going on. If, I, I did think it was funny that even after they showed the clip of Tommy Rich obviously hitting the elbow, like obviously hitting the elbow, yeah, yeah. the Lance and Dave were still, or even after watching the clip, were still yeah. like, I don't see it. It wasn't a good angle. I'm yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're I, like, oh, I appreciate I it, guys. But come on. Yeah, they were like, oh, you know, we if, from my angle, don't want to look like he hit him with his, he hit him in the, you know, and then they, uh, yeah, that, that's one thing about that I thought was kind of messed up was it just took forever, but that was the so they so they've got that seed planted now, um, with that right there. Um, and I want to throw something in about the heat after. I love the fact, and I've always loved the fact about Jerry Lawler. That even as a baby face, he will cheat. When you didn't do that in the Memphis territory, most baby faces were white meat baby faces. Yes. And Lawler's getting beat up and beat up afterward by Kabuki. And then he just low blows and pile drives. Yep. Yep. You know what I, mean? I, I love the fact that Lawler is a baby face who will do whatever it takes. Because he, he was a massive heel in that area for so long. Yeah. I think what it is, because if you go back, well, there's not really no footage, but Fargo... Fargo came in as a heel for a while, you know, when he first came in back in the 50s, late 50s. And then when they turned him babyface in the 60s, he was babyface for an hour, but he still cheated. In the, you know what I'm saying? So, as soon, yeah. and then so when Lawler came in, he was heel for all those years, and then when he turned babyface, it wouldn't have worked if he would have just, you know, he kept his same style where he still punched, kicked, cheated when he had, you know what I'm saying? So I think that's, yeah. they, but now if they would have let everybody, every Tom, Dick, and Harry, they'd come in to the territory and do that, it would, it wouldn't work. So basically, exactly, yeah. it only would work with a lot, because like I said, Fargo did it, and then Lawler took over the torch, then he, you know, I think that's why why it worked, because it was only, you know, like I said, Fargo's the only one that did it, and then Lawler only did it, so I think, you know, uh, well, Jimmy Valiant did it a little bit, too. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. But, but he was... Jimmy will always be 
you can be a little funny cheater. But it, it's all in how you do it and why you do it, yeah. too. Like, Jimmy does it, and it's so entertaining when yeah. he does it. Yeah. And almost silly when he does it. Lawler would do it out of retaliation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I, I when you since you said I really I, I thought about that. Yeah, yeah, he made his own comeback on that. But uh, and Rich, it was good that Rich didn't stand around. Is that what it looked? That I think with him just looking like screw this, walking off. You know, because I yeah, and, and, that, and that was a good build too. Like he had a reason to be upset. Then in his mind, if he didn't hit the elbow, he had the second reason to be upset. He's yeah. like screw this, I'm gone. Yeah. Yeah, so I thought that was pretty. Even though, like I said, the the all the time taken up was, um, it you know it took for long, but it but it was you know what what was happened did you know it was good stuff. Um, then the next thing was the rundown of the card. Um, that's where they did the local. Uh, they insert the um, whatever um, town you're. Was this before the rich promo? Yes. Okay. Actually, I got the rich. I have my, I have my notes out of order. Hold on, hold on. Maybe let me, let me just make sure. No, no, I'm sorry. I skipped that. I, it's right. I got it right here. I didn't. Yeah. I I put the interview. Okay, yeah, there it is. I'm sorry. I overlooked that. All right, you take it away with the rich interview then, because I I messed you up. You overlooked the Tommy Rich promo? Huh? You overlooked the Tommy Rich promo? No. I, when I wrote it down, <laughs> I, I, I'm teasing. I'm yeah, teasing. I put a. I, I put a uh, empty line in between each segment, and um, I didn't put one in between where it says the rich interview. So you talk about that rich interview. So, but my thing about about Tommy's promo is, is like this is the first like non yelling Tommy Rich promo I think I've ever heard. Not once and not one time did I hear the words "wildfire." This was like an actual conversation, and I like that because that's something new I hadn't seen from Tommy Rich because mm-hmm. I didn't see you know his, his baby face run in, in Atlanta or anything. Yeah. Um, but I like that he's starting to. He never really goes full heel either in it. No, you no, know, he's he, still he just focuses on his problem with Lawler, says a conspiracy, saying, you know, maybe Lawler thinks he's 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 washed up, which people won't realize. But Lawler's been in Memphis since the seventies, so you know he's looking at. I don't know what year in the seventies he started. I think seventy. You would know this. Heck, you're the historian. When did Lawler start in Memphis? Seventy one, wasn't it? Okay, so he's been in Memphis for 15 years at this point. Yeah. So Tommy Rich making the claim that he's, he may think he's washed up is a legitimate claim. Um, here's where start, stuff starts not aging well. He uses a, uh, a nice term for Japanese Americans that wouldn't go over well today. Um, and I love how this is four years removed, I believe, from Rich winning the world title. And at first I laughed that he was still bringing it up. Yeah. But then I like how he transitioned into, he's like, I got it done. And you've had how many shots of the world title and you never got it done. Never says it was for a weekend or, you know, a cup of coffee or whatever it was for. But, you know, he just mentioned the fact that Lawler never got it done. Um, And then he really stressed at the end that top guy or the champion or whatever gets the title shot. Yeah. And that puts more importance on the world title, and I love that. And I think that's something that, that's missing in wrestling, frankly. You know, and for WWE reference, it'd be the Intercontinental Champion gets the title shot. For NWA reference, it'd be National Champion gets the title shot. Uh, there is no secondary belt in AEW yet, so no worries there. But the fact that the regional champion 
to get the world title shot. I've always loved that storyline. The only thing is, though, um, at the time, Bubba was the international champion. Lawler was the southern champion, but Lawler hadn't been defending that belt at all. He's been doing like gimmick matches with like Kabuki and with Bubba. So, actually, the only title belt that, that was mentioned during this time period was Bubba's international belt, which... Well, and that's what Rich was going for. Yeah, exactly. And Lawler, he, he feels that Lawler cost him Exactly, that. exactly. So, um, which I think was good that, that it all... Now, was the international title, was that the CWA world title, that big, goofy trophy shot belt? No, it was a... It, you know, I don't even remember what okay. it looks like at the time... Uh, at the time, I want to say the international title was a trophy style, uh, like a silver, silver, right. silver and gold uh, trophy shop. I just remember that CWA belt that they brought in at one point. You talking about the CWA world and, title back in seventy nine and eighty? Was that the world title? Yeah, I loved that yeah, man. It, it was pretty. You loved it. You know, I loved horrible cheesy belts. <laughs> well, then I guess you did like it. I, I've always thought. Oh, uh, people hated it back then. But yeah, that whole thing it's, that that Rich Dave interview, Milligan, if you're listening and you liked it, I'm sorry, but I never liked it. A lot of people didn't. Uh, that interview though. I hope that wasn't one of your belts, Dave. He made a uh, uh, Tom Milliken. Yeah. Yeah, he made a replica of it. Replica, replica, ah, replica of it. But he didn't make the original. No, so no, no. What, cool. what was he? 12, 79, it would have been, what, 10, if that? Not even that? <laughs> I, I'll be honest, I love Dave's death. Don't know how old he is. I don't think anybody does. He don't age. <laughs> he really doesn't. But uh, um, that interview, though, that was perfect. The way it was laid out, set up, hit the high, the, the high peaks of what they need to get across, of why Rich is upset. It cost him, because it cost him the shot. Uh, it cost him the belt, the national belt, which would have put him in line. And you notice he said he said that if he would have won that, you know, it would have got Eddie Marlin thinking of, you know, you know, it, it, the whole the way he did that whole thing was set up perfect. perfect. Yeah, and he even asked the fans. I noticed this. He even asked the fans right at the end of it. He said, "Memphis fans, I think I'm the guy who deserves that shot and can bring it home for you." Yeah, exactly. So he's still babyface. Yep. He's just babyface with an issue with Lawler. Exactly. And what, oh, yeah, I enjoyed it. And here's the thing. A lot of people know Lawler, Memphis, yeah, he was over. I don't know about Louisville and Evans. What, Nashville? I know they're toward the late 80s. Especially when they when he won that world strap. And he did a thing like for like a month where he brought in a new opponent. Every He worked, um, he brought in Rich, brought in Landale. Did Dundee, and man, half the time the crowd was fifty-fifty, and and you know, so I know it, I don't know. So I don't. I'm wondering if you know they're trying. I I think it. it I think because so many people like still liked Rich, but um, but for Memphis though, it was definitely um, it was you know. It was straight up babyface, but okay. So that's the that. Then they did the rundown for the um, well, they insert the show, local show since that was the, the whale of a card, as Lance said. Well, actually, they, well, they the whale of a card coming 
So what he did was actually there was no Evansville show. They were shut down for Christmas, and they wouldn't have were going to have their first show until like the first Wednesday of I think like where the first it was, it was like uh, January seventh or something like that or something like that. So they were shut down for the that they were done in it, but they had a a, a, a card in, in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. A lot of people call it Hoptown. That's what I put on my notes. Hoptown card. So they said, Hoptown, yeah. yeah. So they ran. They ran. Um, uh, I think it was a right. It was before the Evansville show comes. I, I didn't write down the actual date of the the the, Hop, the Hopkinsville sh- uh, show, but Travis and Jared did a little short interview, and that's only two people come out on when they did the insert. Usually they have two baby faces, like first of the card, in the card, in the next segment. They do the heels, whatever. They only had Jared and Travis, I guess, because it wasn't actually an Evansville show. Then they come back to the studio and they interview Bruno, Bubba, and Goliath. For Bruno match. Jeff didn't let Billy say a thing. No. Well, he didn't need to, because Jeff had to start learning how to talk. That's, but I think that's why. Well, Billy wasn't the best talker there then, then also, but Jeff was really struggling with his yeah. talking. So I think that's why they was letting him talk more. They come back to the studio. It's the interview with. Uh, Downtown Bruno, Big Bubba, Goliath, they're setting up their match against the the Memphis Vice and a uh, the Memphis Vice will have a mystery partner. Bruno just basically uh, talked about you know about the mystery partner and all that, who it is, and all, you know the, the whole usual gimmick. Dude, I think I'm rewatching this stuff because I hadn't watched it in thirty years. Bruno could talk. too hard to be Cornette and, and the fact that like he tried to talk really really fast which he's good and he then he used a whole bunch of cliches not cliches but you know what I mean yeah. like little sayings but thing, that would, uh, see, here's the thing about that though um, that was his first run ever on a, in a, a promotion with TV yeah so he was green as grass yeah so here's I think he I did love, really though. well though he, he, he tried to talk about Dave Brown lying about not knowing who the mystery partner was. Yeah. And he says, you lie like a cheap watch. <laughs> what? You never heard of that? No, I've heard you lie like a cheap rug. No, a cheap watch. You watch, you never bought it. They were saying you buy a cheap watch and never tells you the right time. Uh, I, I guess I get it now. It's old. It's old, When brother. I heard that, I was like, <laughs> I don't know what that means. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So say that he never buy a cheap watch because it, it, it'll never tell you the correct time. Yeah. And I love his pointless, fingerless gloves. I don't know why they were just so funny to me. <laughs> but you know, I, even back back then, when I was watching this, and then when I started watching it again the other night, man, he still looks so just grimy. Like needs to take a bath. Oh yeah. You know, because <laughs> they said that as a shoot in real life, he's just really. Back then, he, yeah, yeah, he wore his clothes and five pairs of underwear, and yet, but anyway, but uh, it was just your normal, you know, heel, uh, you know, getting riled, you know, riled up about the, you know, the mystery thing, and um, so after that, they go to the match. It's uh, Bubba Goliath versus Ed Maddox and Dennis Upton. I'll let you take it from there. Commentary with uh, some more things that couldn't be said today. 
Yes, I know. Uh, in, in regard to Ed Maddox, holy cow. Yes. Uh, Dennis Upton seemed like he maybe made three days of wrestling class. <laughs> you uh, he, he took like he took like two flatbacks, but I think they were only on body slams, so he didn't have much of a choice. <laughs> Everything else was rough. Um, Ed Maddox looked okay yeah. for the short time he was in there. Uh, super squash match, though. I mean, no, they never had a chance and weren't made to look like they had a chance, but that was their, their role they were in. But yeah, that's the biggest things I got, man. But oof, Bruno was... He was hitting some stuff, man. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, the stuff out, yeah, his, uh, he's, he was getting away with a lot of stuff back then. There, it, and, yeah. I ain't gonna go into details, but, yeah, woo. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if you wanna see it, even what we're talking about, go watch it. It's, it, yeah. All thing I got from that was, um, yeah, Maddox will have been in there, you know, took decent bumps. Um, the Upton guy, I, I didn't even get that he even been to wrestling class. I think he, Showed up. Oh, he's the Lawler softball buddies. I don't even think he was that man. He didn't hit the ropes. He couldn't even hit the ropes. If you go back and watch it, he didn't know how to hit the ropes. Ew, I thought he was gonna fall. He couldn't even run. <laughs> let alone hit the ropes. He couldn't even run to them. Um, so that's yeah. That was like it was like less than a minute. Um, then this is where it gets interesting. And I remember this actual show because I actually used to have it on tape. Uh, the next uh, thing up is the uh, interview with the Memphis Vice. And they come out there, and and of course the whole thing is who's their mystery partner, and then you know uh, Jerry Bryant starts talking. Well, Jerry Bryant, I think, was always underrated on the mic. He, uh, he and my thing is, I think he wanted to be after, or when Eddie Gilbert became Eddie Gilbert after when they split up with uh, him and Rich split as the New Fabs, and he really became Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert. I think Jerry Bryant, that's who Jerry Bryant wanted to be. I think he wanted to be Eddie Gilbert, Hustle Eddie Gilbert. If you just watch, he just, he just, I don't know, something about him. He, he, to me, I, it, it comes off, especially when he was heel, when the Memphis Vice. But anyway, so they do the whole thing of Lance is asking who the mystery partner is, and he's like, I don't know. And Lance is like, oh, yeah, you do. And and, and Big Lou Winston was like, you know, hey, no, we don't know enough. And and they the whole gimmick was they didn't they were going to go find somebody in the crowd. And the thing was, they were going to um, find somebody just to humiliate Bruno. So the first thing I remember, and because I, I remember when I watched this, they walked out to the crowd, and Lance was, you know, he was sounding like, oh, you know, this ain't a good idea, you know. And, um, and the first guy they went up to, they asked him how much you weighed, and he said like, like 507 or something like that. <laughs> and he was a big old fat dude sitting in the front row, and I was like, and I was like, okay, it's in, and, and back then, this was, you know, 86, so I am 15 years old, right? Uh-huh. Even watching it then, I was, and they passed up the big fat guy, and I was like, okay, this is fishy. Why would not you get the big fat guy just to fall on Bruno and just squish him, you know? I mean, that would be the funniest thing. But then they went and then they went and I didn't notice this when I first watched it back in the day. But then they come over, they walk straight over to the to where the plant is, in the in the and they go, "You want to do it?" And this black lady standing like second row, she's like, "Yeah, I'm doing." And 
And then the the lady, the Emily Arthur stands up and like jumps and kind of starts walking for it, you know, moving her way up. So I think that, I mean, it was like, because the camera looked like he picked the black lady. But then cause she, the, the plant, Emily Arthur was like in the back, very back row, you know. So that camera angle was bad. It was a bad camera because it looked like he picked the black lady in the second row. <laughs> So, but yeah, they, then she came up there and they did that whole thing and then Bruno and them came out and so what do you think about and that? And Bruno talks about beating women back home. Yeah, and, 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 <laughs> and pimping them out. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, I wasn't going to touch on that one, but. Uh, He's pimping them out and they owed him money and beat them up and everything. I mean, it's just, he it, was full oh, of dude, them. Yeah, it was, it was some racy stuff, man. I actually have not here, man, the 80s were wild. Yes. Um. Here's how I could tell she was a plant. Oh. She was just way too nice. Yeah. 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 It was... She's wearing like a, a jacket and a collared shirt. Yeah. Yeah. And, not, like, yeah. and like that fucking pearls. Yeah. He's like, you don't dress like that. You yeah. got this TV. Yeah, she, stuck a, she stuck like a sore thumb in that crowd, didn't she? <laughs> yeah. Um, let's, not, let's not brush over because we're this late in the interview. The great airbrush t-shirts of Memphis Vice. And I, I'm also going in, I knew nothing about Memphis Vice. Never heard of them. What? Um, oh. I, I, again, I'm 33. Give me a break. You gotta watch some of their heel stuff. Their heel stuff was good. I, I'm, I'm, go, I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to. Um, oh, and I loved, I loved Emily Arthur's job. Because, you know, Lance Russell, are you a professional wrestler? Yes. No, sir. No. What, yeah. what do you do? Computer operator. Yeah. <laughs> what the heck is that? Especially in '86. What the crap was that? Yeah. Let's look. Let's the most high techest job. You know, computers. Nobody knows what that is at the time. And I just like, okay. Yeah. I mean, it was so. It's like they. I don't know what the deal was. It's like they didn't. As much as they thought out the rich interview, this segment was not thought out at all. To me, that's what I got from it. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, they did that whole thing, and then they and I like how Lance, but Lance sold it good because he was like, "Okay, guys, we've been ha- we can't be doing this." I mean, he said we had this whole thing before with Andy Kaufman. Somebody's gonna end up getting sued, you know. He started, you know, he played along at the first, you know, thinking it was a, you know, well, it's a joke, and then he got serious. And then he was like, you know, somebody's gonna get sued here, you know. So I, yeah, no, I, I, and I loved it. I loved Lance as a straight man. Yeah. Yeah. Because in the wild world of wrestling, Lance is the guy who has some sense. Yeah. And he grounds everything. Yeah, at first, you know, he was all thinking, you know, he was, you know, chuckling along a little bit with it. And then at further win, he's like, oh, yeah, guys, you know, this ain't, he's like, we had this thing with Andy Kaufman, same thing. We, somebody's going to get sued, guys. <laughs> Yes. The exactly. Yep. Yep. So that was, I think, um, the 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 segment wasn't well thought out. Lance did a great job on his part. I thought. Um, so it, I hope nothing I got from it. At the end, when Jerry Bryant was, he was, he's like, he's like, he was, you know, cutting, he, cutting the end of this little promo there, and goes and. And he's like, Emily Arthur and the Memphis Vice, baby. And he throws up the high five. Him and Big Lou miss the high five. <laughs> oh, I missed that. 
and missed the half hour that was in the the end. It I was just and then I was like, oh okay, it's it's done. Go on, guys. <laughs> yeah, they missed the half hour. And I was like, oh. All right, the next thing they did the rundown of of the uh, of Hoptown, uh, Hoppinsville, Kentucky. Lance did it by himself. There was nobody that came in on the uh, to, to plug in the match. match. Huh? They did them all around the uh, through eighty six and eighty seven. I can't remember what they were though. Uh, next, uh, Lance. They will go back to the studio. Lance talks about a couple new wrestlers coming in, and he shows uh, two black and white pictures. Uh, he said the guy coming in is named Soul Train Jones. Oh Jesus! And then he goes, look at the look. He's a specimen. Look at and shows the two pictures. He goes. Then he goes. He's got the uh, Apollo Creed outfit. <laughs> and. Uh, you can, you can thank Memphis for Virgil. Yeah, I think you can thank Bruno for that one. I think Bruno because they they start they used to work at the same place up in Pennsylvania, so I think Bruno helped him get in down there. Um, then he they so they showed that, and then he showed the pitch a picture of he said Jonathan Boyd's bringing in the dog. Oh, no, he goes he goes, and then we've been getting a lot of letters here at the station about when are you going to bring in some of those gorgeous women of wrestling. And I, I guess I was gonna say I didn't want to say the glow because, um, yeah. I, but basically, what it was, he was insinuating. He says, "I don't know how gorgeous they are, but John the Board has brought in the daughters of darkness. Da- I can't even talk. Daughters of darkness, Lock and Luna, and they show the picture. And somebody goes, Ugh, you hear the crack? the crack goes, Ugh, they're nasty or something like that.' <laughs> I so, just started busting. You know, I can't remember. I was gonna look it up and I forgot. She did. She wasn't here long. Uh, they were both from Florida. They worked down there. I can't. I'm, the truth. I can't remember who Locke was. Um, but we got about ten minutes. We're to speed this up, man. I don't know how long we went. I guess I went too long at the beginning. I shouldn't have went that long. Um, so then the next thing. But yes, that was what I got the person in the crowd yelling out. You <laughs> go back, people. You go back and watch it. Listen to the guy. Listen to the person in the crowd yelling. Uh, next was the interview with Jarrett and Travis. Uh, basically, they're setting up the um, match with the RPMs to have two refs in the match, the upcoming match, and then they went to had their match with um, Rough and Ready. I'll let you. And Boss Winners was Rough and Ready's manager. I'll let you take take that one. Okay, so first thing I've got is Jeff Jarrett, the beautiful shimmery jacket. <laughs> um, and, and man, I, I, I don't, Rough and Ready got absolutely nothing in. Didn't expect him to. Like their, their outfit, though, they had kind of the Domino's look under the mask with yeah. purple and white. Two well-built African-American guys. Um, super basic. is basically a babyface squash match, which can be very boring because there's no even heat to it. Um, let's see. Even though they did those, those weird, awkward, like you take a clothesline and then you jump in the air and take a bump. Those are always fun. Uh, but no, they, they looked like they're, you know, they, these guys were probably students or something if there was a training school down there or something like that. Because they looked like they could do a little bit. Rough um, I'm sorry, and, go ahead. Sorry about that. Cut uh, go ahead. Well, they, I, was, I was shocked that rough, rough and Ready kicked out. Like, they kicked out five times. I kept counting. Like, normally the yeah. underneath guys didn't. It was just boom, 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 you're done. Really, Travis really impressed me because, yeah. like, everybody else is doing hip toss, body slam, 
punch, punch, punch. Billy Travis broke out a belly to back suplex and a really sweet Vader bomb in 86. Um, and then finish was a stiff looking drop kick to the face. Yeah. Uh, Rough and Ready were a mainstay in the the mid to late 80s down there. Um, so, and that was a long, it was a real long match for, for uh, so they had to kick out on that stuff. Um, that's the reason why, because it was a longer match. Um, the thing, the, besides that, the, uh, the couple things I took away from that, Billy Travis dropped a beautiful elbow. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah, he got so high. Yes, he had a very good um that elbow was, and then he did the Vader. That's why I started doing it because he's the first person I ever see do it. Uh, the, the Vader bomb out of the corner, and then um, one one of the uh, rough and ready guys. I'm sure one. He was actually bigger than Jeff was at the time. <laughs> yeah, he had a bigger body. And the the thing that it, it stood out the most of that match, the crowd. Those boys were over. That was the loudest the crowd was all day. Ridiculously. That was the loudest the crowd was all day. That's what I got from that. So, um, the next was the RPMs. Um, they're they're the uh, Southern Tag Team Champions. They worked uh, Tracy Smothers and John Paul. Um, Smothers got a lot because he was. Uh, oh man, he, I have here. He was a hip tossing and arm dragging machine, baby. Yeah, and then they made uh, they he tagged in John Paul, and I think John Paul maybe got one move, and then they took over, got the heat. Um, then I got. Then all I got on that was uh, going into the finish. Uh, boy, Tony runs out and screws Smothers again, uh, setting up the ang- the more of the angle for the boy, Tony, Tracy Smothers angle. Because I think the week before he screwed him and beat him in a match, and then this week he come out and screwed him and got him uh, beaten a match. So it's starting to set up the feud for boy, Tony, and Tracy Smothers. Uh, what did you get out of it? Uh, so I enjoyed this match the most because obviously I have a personal relationship with with both Tony uh, and, and Tracy. And Tracy, please get well soon, man. We're here with you. Um, so like, it, it's cool to see Tracy, like young, up and coming, start. And like I said, arm dragon hit, tossing machine, uh, super fired up, hot tag from Tracy. Uh, let's see after after Tracy gets nailed, Tony and. Downtown Bruno go and cut the most ridiculous promo about how these clothes that were obviously bought from a Kmart um, were $5,000 and he's personal friends with boy George. Run them off Tracy's infamous promo dropping, <laughs> dropping the F word. Yes. Um, which he told me himself got him a tremendous amount of heat. But something I took on there, he, he goes, uh, he threatens to strip boy Tony naked. Please don't. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's like... Please don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, I don't know if that was a good part. That's straight to heel turn right there. If yeah. you strip Tony naked, you're turning heel. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, that's what I got was the uh, the uh, the uh, interview with Boy Tony, and what I had was they got the clothes from the Salvation Army. That's what I got. Probably, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, then then, then uh, Tracy dropping the F-bomb and not the... The other F bomb. <laughs> yeah. And um And the best is Lance going, All right, and we'll be back. Yeah. And Lance is like, All right. <laughs> and Dave's probably they didn't even show Dave Dave's probably over here just probably over just got his hands in got his face in his hands. Alright, next they got and the his hair still hasn't moved. And his hair, yeah, exactly. And then they got the rundown of Evansville. Um 
They have Bruno, Bubba, and Goliath on that. Um, and a little Eddie Marlin appearance. Oh, that's Man, right. That woman's going to whip his fanny. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Eddie comes out there, yeah. Makes a little little appearance there. And then they come back to the last match of the show, which was Don Bass, Buddy Wayne, uh, Tarzan Goto, Boy Tony against the Memphis Vice, Pat Tanaka, Paul Diamond. What I got out of this was Buddy Wayne looked good, and, and he had lost a lot of weight. Even though he's like 60-something years old, he's looked, he would lost a lot of weight. And um, match was short. They had that big bra at the end. They even have a finish on it? Um, over the top rope BQ. Okay. I just, it was, um, the big thing I took away from it was you catch Lance looking back toward the locker room. He goes, we better get this going. We're running out of time. Lance directing traffic, baby. <laughs> Lance Russell was the best. It and match, he's a little perturbed, too. You I, know what I mean? I don't think that match went 40 seconds. It oh, was, no. It was, it, there was a, a quick little deal between Goto and Diamond. There was a drop kick. Both sides cleared. Diamond got thrown over the top, and Tojo just started beating him with a kendo stick. And then they went to the commercial, and they came back, and it was Lance and Dave, and they ran out of time. There was there was no more. Uh, usually, they try to, when they're a big, big match at the end, they always have like a two out of three falls. They never go to a third fall. This one, they didn't even get to the second. And, and then Lance goes, oh, Don Bass left his cigar butt out here on the desk. Oh, yeah. I, I enjoyed that. And I, I also enjoyed, uh, they started going down the matches, and Lance's like, I really wish we'd go over the rest of them, but we're out of time. Yeah. We'll see you next week. Yeah. And they cut, and then they, and then, then that little uh, ending, which is the second part of the of the opening and they do run down the thing and uh so that was it that was the show um the key things i liked was the uh probably was the main thing with that whole show from the get-go was to plant the siege with uh lawler and, and uh rich everything else basically was kind of filler um but that was I, that was the main part of the show i could you know i got from it so what I got is, you know, I, I love Memphis wrestling, but, and, you know, and, and as you know, the TVs can be hit or miss, especially yeah. when it comes to in-ring stuff. Yeah. Because the, t- the TVs are the commercials to build to the house shows, because at that time, that's where you made your money. Yep. Um, watching this back in 2019, or 2019 eyes, man, oh, some stuff does not age well, as we've gone over, yeah. but it's a different time. Yeah. Um, but you don't give them in-ring classics at that time. You just give them personalities and promos to get them in. Yeah. And frankly... The crowd didn't care. The crowd was electric yeah. for the guys they liked. If they, if they just did a punch and a kick and a hip toss, yeah. they were there for every bit of it. Yeah. And it, it's really cool to go back and you see like FMW legends. Uh, you know, like Tarzan Goto was on his excursion. Yeah. yeah. You know, he was nobody yet. And then he goes and becomes a, a Japanese legend. Yeah. You know, you see Tracy in his young days. Yeah. You know, it's really cool to go and see that. It's proof that everybody starts somewhere. Yep, yep. We got so less I, than I really a, enjoyed it. We got less than a minute. I was going to wrap this up. Uh, yeah, it's really, yeah, a lot of the young guys, a lot of guys that are not with us anymore on there. Um, uh, I'm going to probably post this in the next couple of days, get it going, and I'll put it on my Facebook and try to share it with everything. Uh, I'm going to say a quick word. I knew you mentioned a little earlier. Um, Tracy Smothers uh, has been diagnosed with cancer. Uh Tracy Smothers is the nicest guy I think I've ever met in the wrestling business. Um, he's helped out so many people. It, it, it's just ridiculous how many people he's helped out. And, and, it's all, and never, 
I always was so nice. You never showed me any kind of disrespect, and I'm a nobody. Uh, so God bless you, Tracy Smothers, man. We're praying for you, brother. Um, so we've got about five seconds. So I'm going to wrap this up. Thanks, everybody, for listening. For Jeremiah Plunkett, I'm Quint Christmas. Hey, that's me. Thank you, and God